My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, if you've got your Bibles, let's open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And we'll start with, uh, actually, we're going to start with something different today. Look who's back. We are super excited you're here. We've been praying diligently, and uh, we thank the Lord that you are back. So we are so, so happy. So, so happy. Um, People before process. This is the way this works. All right. So what is God doing in you uh, through his word from the portion of Mark that we have studied so far? Got a more intimate setting today, so feel free to share uh, without there being a massive crowd, because it is Labor Day, uh, Skip Church Sunday. So here's that. (laughs) Because you know better. (laughs) So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Yay, yes. Okay. Wait, you read the Bible each day? <laughs> you try, okay. That's awesome. Sorry, I was trying to set you up there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Last time she shares with the group, here we go. <laughs> so it came up, right? Awesome. Uh, okay. That's right. That's right. Amen. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Yes. That's actually what I was going to talk about this morning uh, for mine. Yes, because I was going to answer this question today, which is uh, if you teach the Bible or are involved in church or have been involved in church for any length of time, what you will notice is that people stop. You'll get a very small number of people that are committed uh, their entire lives. Very small. And the rest, waffle. Um, and, uh, and sometimes you can, you can have somebody waffle because you've been an arrogant, unrepentant, prideful jerk. Uh, and a lot of times it's um, a lot to do with the soil. And uh, you can get very discouraged over a couple of decades watching folks just walk away and walk away, and walk away, and walk away. And it, uh, it doesn't in any way, shape, or form rescind 
our command from Jesus to be faithful. So, uh, so once again, I'm learning this lesson. So. All right, somebody else, what's God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am. Hands going up everywhere today. It's like we're Pentecostal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't skip church. <laughs> uh, I uh, like that Jesus wants us to meet him. Oh. Say that again. Jesus I like that Jesus wants us to need him. So, I mean, he's done a lot to learn to build a Amen. Well, that's going to be stuck in my head for weeks. Okay. Yes. Thank you. All right, one more. Yes, Albert. I guess the, the biggest lesson I continue to learn the longer I've been in this thing is that you know, this is his story. It is his story, yes. It is more about him, yes. The gift of himself by introducing to his story, including in his story. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's been in my mind. Who, who does salvation belong to? Oh, come on, this is an easy one. It belongs to the Lord, yes. Literally, like the, the text in the Old Testament, the salvation belongs to the Lord. Yes, it is his. All right. It is good. <laughs> and it is His. And any part of this that He lets us participate in is a gracious act of a loving and kind King. So, uh, let's read Mark chapter 4. <laughs> By the way, if you ask the average person, and I would imagine if you asked your friend that you were witnessing to, um, tell me about Jesus. They would probably say He was a good teacher. Right? And it's because of chapters like Mark chapter 4. Like, because, why well, he's a really good teacher, which is exceedingly abundantly ironic given the content of Mark chapter 4, right? But it is what it is. So, all right, so we are introduced to Jesus in uh, Mark chapter 1. John prepares the way. He's baptized. He's tempted. He begins his ministry. He calls disciples. He teaches. He preaches. He heals. He heals again. He talks to people that are there. Uh, he talks to people that are there in different ways than other people that are there. And we see that this displayed in amazing ways in Mark chapter 4. So let's read Mark chapter 4. And he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, 
and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked, about, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except it may be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking on, into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him?
All right, so I'm going to give you just a second to look at the first page of your handout. It's page 98. Congratulations. Today we move into three-digit page numbers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At this rate, the final document will be quite large. <laughs> um, but I want you to look, I just want you to read through verse 1, just quietly to yourself. Uh, and just the, the information that's on the page, just on page 98, just the bottom half of the page, and see if you can tell me what's different about today's handout than what it's been in the past. So I'll give you just a second. Just on page 98. Some of you right now are going, I've never really paid attention to all that stuff on there. I just listen. <laughs> okay. Just take a look. What do you think, Shelby? You have a lot of marks. I have a lot of what? Okay, that's fine. Skip. Uh, no, I've had highlights for the entire series. Is it Robinson's Morphological Analysis Codes? Why, yes, Josh, it is. <clears throat> yes, <laughs> you recognized them right away. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, so what I have been sharing with you guys up to this point is every time we got to a verb... We would talk about the present active participle or the future the, uh, aorist. Uh, that's not right. Some combination of uh, morphology, some uh, verb uh, parsing of this, right? So did you know that every word in the Greek language has additional components and characteristics about it? And that's called morphological analysis, which sounds like super complicated, and sometimes it is. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you um, the, let's see, uh, if you look at the word uh, C, the, the word C is highlighted there, S-E-A, about halfway down that uh, paragraph. Uh, so you've got the Strong's number, you've got the, the actual Greek word, uh, the English transliteration, so that's how you would, uh, thalassa, uh, thalassa. That's how you'd say the word, and then it's a noun, and it's a singular feminine accusative. Okay? We have not had that degree of information for the words that we've had so far in the series. And if you go back up to the paragraph before where it says, what do the words mean, there's something else that's highlighted other than Robinson's morphological analysis. And if you want to sound smart this week, just tell somebody you talked about morphological analysis in Sunday school. But please don't, because they'll never come. Um, <clears throat> But uh, what we've been using is the Nestle Elan 27th UBS 4, and I found a better data source about a month ago. So I had to rewrite that fancy spreadsheet that we've been using for this series so far. So we've got better data, and we've got more information about non-verbs in Greek. So when you start to see additional stuff, does that make sense? It makes sense, right? We've just got... When you find better sources of information, when you find additional sources of information, we're just baking this in. So you should all have a problem with the second thing that's highlighted in, in uh, verse 1. Or you should at least question it. 
There is a number. And it is a shockingly different number than I've been sharing with you for the word chi uh, so far in Mark. Because the new approach starts with the Greek and works back into English. The old approach that I was taking started with the English and then went into the Greek. And what you'll find is that the word chi is not translated in English a ton in our Bibles because it would be spectacularly obnoxious. (laughs) It would be so horrible to read. This is how Mark chapter 4 would sound. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea, and he was teaching them. And verse 3, and listen, verse 4, and, verse 5, and other, verse 6, and, verse 7, and other, verse 8, and, verse 9, and. Almost every single verse in Mark actually starts with the word and. We don't translate them in English because we understand this is a connected thought. (laughs) But the numbers for some of these words will have shifted because we are actually counting all of the words in the original at this point. So for those of you that were auditing this, uh, Jessica Miller, when you listen to this uh, and you audit this lesson, uh, the reason the number has changed from chi to 500 and something to 1,000 and something is because we're counting the original words, not just the English words that show up. All right. Got it? Makes sense? Excellent. Now, what I will do over the next uh, few months is go back into the teacher notes for chapters 1, 2, and 3 and add the new stuff that we found so that the whole document is consistent by the time we get to the end. So there's that. So somebody that listens to this series in 2035, if podcasts are still around, uh, maybe YouTube will be, I don't know. Uh, That is why the words that I said earlier in this series, referencing specific numbers, do not tie out to the handouts uh, that are currently on OurSundaySchool.com, if that still exists in 25 years. So we'll see. All right, so let's take a look at chapter 4. I have to leave myself these notes, otherwise I'll wonder, why in the world did my math not match as I talked through this series? So, here you go. What's the first word? First word in chapter 4? And, yes. And, again. There's two different words. So, again, he. Who's he? Jesus. Yes, this is about Jesus. And, again, he, Jesus, began to teach. Is this something new for him, or is this something he's done before? He's done this before, yeah. This is didasco, this is this verb, uh, present active infinitive, he's, he's doing this. Uh, beside the sea. So what sea are we talking about? <coughs> sea of what? Galilee. Galilee, right, the Sea of Galilee. How do we know this? Well, it was either that one or the, what other sea? Yeah, the Dead Sea. And uh, we kind of know where he is right here. So beside the sea... And a very large... Now, I love Mark because Mark is not overly consumed with numbers. And the word, uh, the definition for this word that he uses here means the largest number. It was huge. Okay? Come on, guys. I thought that was funny. Man, you're here, but we're going to have to wake you up in a second. All right. So a very large... This is the biggest number Mark can think of, right? A very large crowd gathered about him. Let's go to the next page in your handout. Gathered about who? Gathered about Jesus, yes. So that he got into a a boat. 
Yes, you can ask another one. Why do I not capitalize? Because that's not my translation. <laughs> yeah, it's the ESV. Um, so I'm going to chase that. Uh, good question. Because it's it, always been taught. Yep. I'm going to bet you a nickel I can guess something. This is not the Bible. This is a copy of the Bible. Does that bother you? Yeah. Okay. Um, we've been taught a lot of things, right? And some of them are very helpful and very wonderful and very like directionally good. Uh, but we don't always know exactly what the pronoun is referring to, or who the pronoun is referring to in the Scripture. Uh, and I would argue that sometimes it can be uh, little more than a guess as to whether or not you should capitalize or not. Um, I'm a fan of not. I used to be a huge fan of capitalizing, but as I have studied original languages more, uh, we don't always know. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to get it wrong. Um, and now that's a, that is, and I, this is Jim's bias, I'm acting out of fear which is a weak position to act out of. But we are talking about God. So I'm okay acting out of fear sometimes, especially if I'm talking about God. Now, I will say that 90% of the time, text is super obvious who we're talking about. Sometimes it's not. It's also one of the reasons I don't like and don't prefer red-letter Bibles, because we're not always 100% sure where quotes start and stop because there wasn't any punctuation in the original language. Um, now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go home and throw away your Bibles They have capital H's, and I don't want you to throw away your Bibles if they have red letters. They, they can be super helpful tools for us, right? Um, but yeah, I'm just copying the ESV here. So, yeah, yeah. I have had uh, people uh, leave our Sunday school and eventually leave our church over that specific issue. Yep. There we go. All right, so... He got in a what? I thought you were going to ask me a question about a boat. I'm like, boat guy is right there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Shifts. Yes. Oh, see, I knew. I knew I wouldn't even get that right. I knew I wouldn't even get that right. There we go. All right. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. It is a boat. So how big would this boat have been? Right. You, you don't need a Yeah. <laughs> You don't need Robinson's morphological analysis for that one, I'll tell you that. All right. All right, so he got into a boat and sat in it, which, I mean, that's smart because you shouldn't stand up in it, right? This is not a smart thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yet one more reason we know it's not a ship, right? There we go. All right, so he gets in a boat and he sat in it uh, on the sea. All right, so have you ever... Uh, have you ever been sitting in a boat and tried to talk to somebody that was not in a boat, that was on the land? Yes. All right. So how many of you know anything about sound, how sound uh, should work and where you should be? All right. Am I standing in the right spot without speakers to project in this room? No. <laughs> no. Which corner is the best in this room? If I wanted to teach, which corner is the best? 
So I'll give you two things. You got, so how, let's identify, how many corners are there in the room? There's four, right. Would that be a good corner to teach from? Do I want people looking out a window right behind me? No, absolutely not. Okay. What about this one? No, because food's over there, right? I don't want to get people standing up. Like, you'll never get coffee if I stood over there. It's not good. What about these two? Which one of these two? This one, right? Over here. Because that one's got a window in the corner. This one doesn't have as close. Sound bounces off of stuff, right? I could teach from right here without a mic, and you could hear me just fine over there. Wouldn't be a problem at all, because it's going to come back out this way. Here, not as much as coming off of the wall. So in a boat, what's behind him in a boat? Water. It's open. This is hard to project to. Okay? So I'm setting something up for later on, a couple of weeks from now. But I just want you to remember, he is not whispering this. What's that? Unless you're God. Unless you're just... He did create the words, right? So he's got a very large crowd that gathers. He gets in a boat and he sits down on the sea. Here we go. And the whole crowd was beside the sea. All right, so I want you to picture this. So Jesus in a boat. He's teaching. He's, he's seated. Is, was that the typical position for a rabbi to speak from? Seated? Yes, very much so. If we were in first century Israel... I would be sitting and you all would be standing. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, uh, I wouldn't come on Labor Day weekend either then, right? <laughs> There's that. Yeah, this is a respect issue for the actual rabbi. So the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. All right, let's talk about parables for just a second. We've already talked about parables a little bit, but parables are just a story with a point, uh, some narrative that's made up to convey a moral. Next page, page 100. Golf clap for page 100. There we go. We've made it, yes. Thank you, Colleen. <clears throat> You're the only one that cares about numbers in the room. Uh, and in his teaching, he said to them, now, Let's make sure we understand. Does this say, and all of his teaching was this? No. In his teaching. A part of it. Because some of y'all are going to read through this, what he taught them, and be like, that was not very much. No, no, no. Think about this as highlights or snippets or small pieces that we're going to pull out for a very specific reason. So verse 3. How do I start every Sunday school? Do y'all know? Good morning, right? And then what do I wait for? Response. And if I don't get enough of a response, what do I do? I say it again. Yes. You know why? I just need to get your attention, right? I'd like everybody to shut up for just a minute while we start class. right? So what does he say? Listen. This is the present active imperative. The imperative means it's a command. The present active means I wanted to continue. You need to continue in a very listening state of mind as he is going through this. So the first word is listen. The second word is behold. You see, this is another imperative. He starts off with two commands right off the bat. So listen and behold. 
Now, I told you the answer to this a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was a month or two ago. I don't know. This is week 32. It could have been like six months ago. I'm not sure. What's the last command in the Great Commission? You got it. Which means what? Behold. Behold, I am with you. Right? Behold. A sower. Now, when we look at this word in English, what, do you, what part of speech is sower in, in our English sentence? Just in the English sentence, it's a what? It's a noun, right? Yeah. Not in Greek. It's not. That is a verb. You're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, Greek's flexible like that. It's weird. <laughs> so what kind of a sower can we tell this sower is from the parsing of the verb, the present active participle? Is an active sower. You could, you could even say this sower is in the habit of sowing. Yes, this was a lifestyle. It's a sower with a lifestyle of sowing. So a sower, and how many sowers are we talking about now that we have this additional information in the text? One. This is a singular mm, morphological analysis comes into play here. There you go. All right. A singular sower went out to sow. Guess what the sow is there at the end of the verse? It's also a verb. <laughs> it's like two verbs right next to each other, which in English you'd get counted off for. But apparently this is masterful teaching, so there's that. So verse 4. And as he sowed... Pretty straightforward, right? Some seed fell. Now, fell sounds like there was not a lot of intention. It's just a, where it fell, it fell. I don't want you to notice what I've highlighted there under the fell. This is the active means the subject is doing the work. This is active work. It fell along. All right, so let's talk about... Uh, do you still have your preposition handout? Is it in the back of your Bibles? Some of you are like, we're going to use that? Oh, we're going to use that a lot. Yes. Which preposition is this? Guess at the pronunciation. It's okay. It's in your notes. It's highlighted. Along. Seed fell along. Para. Para. Yeah. Right here. It's beside. It's besides. Prepositions talk about direction or location. So this is, if this is the path, it fell beside the path. Did it say it fell six miles to the other side of the path? No. The sower is not like a major league baseball player and throwing the seed. This is beside the path, very close to the path. The seed fell along the path and the birds. Does anybody have any pet birds? Pet birds? No? What's uh, Pastor Gary's pet bird's name? Larry. Yeah, There's a joke in there. I don't know what he's going to do when Larry turns 33, but there's a joke in there. So. Yeah. <clears throat> and the birds came and devoured. 
You're like, well, that sounds serious. We'll flip over to Mark chapter 12, verse 40. We'll see the only other time this is used in Mark, this particular word. And I think it's very interesting. So start in verse 38. Uh, and in his teaching, this is Jesus, he said, Beware of the scribes. Now, has he had a problem with the scribes yet? <laughs> a little bit. Who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Where's the word devour? Now, you are a, I won't quote Daryl here, uh, sorry, low-down, egg-sucking dog, if you're going to devour a widow's house. Like, this is, like, that's just mean, right? Mean, mean. So how would they devour a widow's house? Yeah, take everything she's got, right? So Jesus uses this word about scribes back here in Mark chapter 12. And who do we know would show up sometimes in the crowds? We know the Pharisees would show up sometimes in the crowds. And who else sometimes shows up in the crowds? Scribes. Interesting use. And the birds came and devoured it. And, and uh, so I'm going to ask you a question. So you, you answered this question uh, when uh, you talked about what has God been teaching you so far, when you shared with your friend, right? Who are the birds when Jesus explains it? Satan. <laughs> Strong speech, right? The birds came and devoured it. Uh, next page, page 101. Other, you see actually verse 5 starts with an and that's omitted in the English. And other seed fell, again this is active, it fell on, and this is epi, rocky ground. So on, Epi is on top of, it's upon, it's, it's sitting, it's extremely well translated right here. It's set on rocky ground or rock-like where it did not have much soil. Y'all ever seen anything grow in rocky ground? What grows in rocky ground? Weeds. Weeds, like not, not high quality stuff, right? You're not going to go harvest the rocky and like, oh yeah, that's fantastic. I feel like there's a story here. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not even listening. There's so much of a story here, right? That's fantastic. <laughs> Fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately, this is the word that we love about Mark. It's immediately, this is the Euthaos. Uh, this directly at once, it sprang up, it germinated, right? It pops up since it had no depth of soil. Verse 6, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. It was burned. And since it, next page, since it had what? No root. It withered away. It dried up. This word shows up later when Jesus curses a plant. Verse 7, other and other seed fell, again active, among. This one's a different preposition. This is ice. Where's ice? 
into. It's right here. It means it's going into the thing. It's going into. It fell into thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked or strangled completely or drowned it. And it yielded no grain, which makes sense, right? Because if the thorns are going to choke something out, you wouldn't expect a lot of result from that. Verse 8, and, again we're starting with and, other seeds fell, again this is active, into, this is iced again, this is going straight back into, it fell into good soil and produced, ta-da, grain, right? Next page. Now it's two words that sound like they're the same thing, but they're not the same thing right here. So I want us to make sure we get this. Growing up. So this is present active participle. This is a, a habit of growing up. So this is literally going upward. This is getting taller. And then the next word is increasing. This is enlarged. So this is getting wider. So it's getting taller and broader at the same time, which is good. This is healthy. This is good growth. And these are both things that are uh, regularly occurring. And yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Present active imperative. Again, continue in this active listening command. So, next page. Oh, actually, you've got a question at the bottom of that page, don't you? You have some homework questions this week. Yes. And your homework questions do not involve going to a commentary. Your homework questions involve taking the handout and staring at the words and thinking about the questions. There's no trick questions here. Let's run through them real quick. What are the elements described in this parable? So what's one element described in this parable? Soil. There's soil, right? What else? Seed. What else, Darla? The sower, yes, the sower is an element described in this parable. Great, next page. What are the different places the seed landed? What are the similarities among these places? What are the differences among these places? What other similarities exist and what other differences exist? Super simple questions, very straightforward. Just look at the text. Next week, we're going to start with those questions and we'll walk back through the text as we answer those questions. And I want to make sure that we're looking very carefully. So next week, you're blank, you're one blank. Next week, we'll start with Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Yes, we will. We're going to go back to the beginning and answer some questions. So you should have at your table a weekly update. And it says September 1st. It said August 25th, the first time I printed it. And then I had to change it because I forgot to change the date. But now it says September 1st. Uh, so if you will uh, gather with others, uh, engage, lean in. Uh, pray as a table. After you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed to go and worship this one who uses such simple things in parables to communicate such vast and deep and complex theological concepts, right? That's one of the things we want to talk about next week. So thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.